Good morning. All right. It's good to be here. Just got to tell you that. Spent a couple of weeks down on the southern east coast, Atlanta and Chattanooga and Nashville, and I am tired. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's hot down there. I know, I thought, you probably thought you'd never hear me say that, right? It's, it was 95 degrees down there and humid. You know, it's not good. It's not good. So it's good to be back. Um, so uh, who's this handsome guy right here, man? Yeah, that's, uh, that was me. Uh, just, just I think I was like less than a year old there. I had a head of hair just right from the start. And um, anybody, anybody here have pictures of, of you when you were this small? Uh, this one still had like, do you remember the old pictures that had like the little frills around them? That's, that's this one right here. So it's a little old, right? And then, and then a little later, uh, this is me. Uh, I was about, uh, I think, 10 years old there. It was just uh, when I came over from the uh, from Italy, uh, from the motherland, <laughs> and, uh, and so as you can see, I'm a little older there, and, uh, and then as time went on, uh, I, this, no, no laughing at this picture, uh, especially on what I'm wearing, but this, this was the style back then in the 70s, this is me, <laughs> see, I, I warned you and you still laughed, this is me in the 70s, uh, uh, B.C., before Christ, and uh, yes, those are bell bottoms. That is true. And uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, okay. So then, uh, and so that was me, just a little older. And then uh, a few years later, uh, I was uh, baptized. And uh, this is me, uh, the fourth guy. We've seen this picture before. I know you have. So the guy over there, it's a little skinnier than I am now. But that guy right there. That's me with the long hair, and uh, that was me when I was about uh, 20 years old. In fact, I was 20 years old uh, on that day. And then a little later, I met this wonderful princess, uh, and that's me and my beautiful, beautiful wife, Nancy. Uh, I think uh, we uh, were, were dating then, uh, or I might have been married by then. I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, you know. You, these are not digitally coded, you know what I mean? These are old pictures. Uh, and so, you know, but there I am and older. And then, and then this is uh, me uh, just last, a couple years ago, uh, at the church that I was baptized in. And we'll look at this picture again a little later. Um, but you see what's happening here, right? You know, I'm getting older in the pictures. And some of you are saying, I've seen this movie. I know how it ends, right? But... But I don't know how it ends. I'm hoping that it ends with me embracing Jesus, you know, and, and never seeing death at all. But that's, that's, that's just me getting older and older and older. And as I, like you probably, as, as I look at those pictures of me getting older, as you see your pictures of you getting older, you're sitting there going, man, what, what, where is that from? And what happened to me, you know? Uh, I mean, if, if you ever want to do a really interesting experiment, uh, 
put a paper bag over your head and, and stand in front of the mirror naked, except for the paper bag. And you will have a revelation about what happened to you through the years. You know, it's like, wow, is that really me, you know? And it's just this, 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 this thing that, like, we get old. Have you noticed that? Now, I don't know about you, but I think one of the reasons why uh, Christianity appealed to me is because it promised something. It promised that it doesn't matter how old I get, uh, and it doesn't even matter if I die on this earth, one day I will be resurrected, and I will have the body uh, of, my, of my best youth and my best health, everything, right? there, Maybe even better than I've ever been before, uh, which I believe that's very possible. And, uh, and so that's, you know what I'm saying, right? Everybody, everybody's looking for that. Today, uh, I remember going to St. Augustine. Anybody ever been to St. Augustine, Florida? Uh, there is, there is a, a place called... Uh, the archaeological fountain of youth. And they talk about Ponce de Leon. How many of you know about the fountain of youth? The fountain of youth is a spring that supposedly restores the youth of anyone who drinks or bathes in its water. Tales of such a fountain have been recounted across the world uh, for thousands of years, appearing in writings uh, as early as the 5th century B.C. by Greek scholars. Uh, repeated throughout history, prominent among the indigenous people of the Caribbean, and further by Ponce de Leon in the 16th century uh, as an uh, explorer who spoke of the restorative powers of the water in the mythical land of Bimini. Anybody uh, ever got to drink from the fountain of youth? If not, maybe you've done this. Maybe you've bought something that promised ageless like some cream, some, like an ageless facelift cream. Come on. Come on. Some, I, know, I know people, you've tried some of this tightening skin stuff, right? Or, or maybe it was herbals and, and supplements, and you're like, this is going to work, you know? Uh, I've tried some. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you notice, it's not working. It's, I'm, I'm still getting older as it is. And, uh, but there is something about us that we don't want to grow old. Isn't that true? There's something about us that says, hey, we, we don't want to grow old. We want to get younger, right? And we, we've learned, most of us, uh, after a while, we begin to realize, you know, the best thing to do is to eat healthy and get some exercise. And, and, and even then, we're not sure, right? But all of us are longing to be able, and if we could, there's not a person in this room, maybe the children, that's about it, but there's not a person in this room that couldn't say, man, you know, I wish I could grow young again. I could be younger again. Now, I'm not talking uh, like F. Scott Fitzgerald's uh, uh, Benjamin, the case, the curious case of Benjamin Button. Have anybody ever read that book? Or That's a weird book, by the way. If you ever, it's actually a really small book, but they made it into like a three-hour movie. I don't know how they did that. But this, and it's all about this guy that, that is born as an 80-year-old. And then gets younger and younger and younger, and then he disappears. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, getting to the point where you could go backwards to the time when you felt the healthiest and that you felt like the best, and you, your brain was working just great, everything was going wonderful, and you're like, yes, I wish I could just stay here, stop, and be this. All of us wish we could do that, and all of us know we can't. But what if we could collectively... What about being able to 
grow younger together. What do I mean by that? You know, there's this great quote by Max Dupree. He's a leadership guru. And he says, the first job of a leader is to define reality. And let me, let me give you some, some realities here that I think are important. And I, I want to preface by saying this. Our church is actually doing pretty good in what I'm about, what I'm about to talk about which means we should never rest on our laurels. We should keep trying to do better and better. Does this make sense? Now, this will make a lot more sense once you know what I'm talking about. Here's a a, a stark reality. The median age for churchgoers in North America is between 51 and 65. That means that most churches... The church is getting older and older and older. Now, there's nothing wrong. I'm getting older. There's nothing wrong with this group except for this, that if this keeps going, there will be no church in the next 20 years. Are you following what I'm saying so far? Is it possible that maybe we could do something together to grow the church Younger, Wouldn't that be fantastic? And here's my point. My point is, I think, and again, I think we do pretty good, and I think we could do better. I I think we do better than many churches, uh, I'll be honest with you, but not as good as some. But I, I, I think we can do some very intentional things to grow our church younger so that the median age of this church is not 51, but it's... 40. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? And by the way, this median age throughout North America, this is, by the way, all Christian denominations, this median age includes children. So it's a little skewed if you think about it, right? We call this the graying of Christianity. Now again, what I am going to be talking to you about is not like getting rid of old people because <laughs> I'm one of them now, okay? <laughs> I keep getting these, you know, double A, yeah, whatever that, man, forget it. I am not going for that until I retire, you know? And then maybe I'll need it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I know, I'm getting old. So I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is that there is Something that's happening. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that the thief comes in to steal. And let me tell you who the thief is stealing from our churches today, and that's young people. The thief is stealing young people from our church. And there is a specific age group. We call them millennials and Gen Zs. Millennials and Gen Zs, we are losing millennials and Gen Zs from the Christian church on a alarming pace and again I am talking about all of Christianity there is no major Christian denomination that is actually growing today 
And certainly there is no major Christian denomination that is getting younger and younger and younger. Now there are some churches that are doing a fantastic job, and we're going to look at those churches. We're going to talk about that. Before we do that, I want to come up with a text, and this is not the text from Acts. This is a different text from Acts. This is a story I want to read to you. It's found in the book of Acts. Dr. Luke talks about it. He says, uh, on the first day of the week, we all met together to break bread. Are you following the story here? And Paul spoke to the group. Now, apparently Paul was a great speaker. Paul could, could speak. Paul can move a, 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 a community He can move a congregation to tears, to laughter. Paul was just this uh, uh, fantastic evangelist. And he is speaking because he's about to leave. And he says because he was planning to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. After we read this passage... I would really be offended if anybody ever talked to me about long sermons. Because <laughs> apparently Paul did not read the council on long sermons here. Because <laughs> he is going for it, man. He starts off a couple hours in and he decides, I'm going to speak till midnight because I'm never going to get a chance to speak to these guys again. Maybe my last sermon I'll do that for you guys. I don't know. We'll see. So here we go. And it says, now we were all together in a room upstairs, and there were many lamps in the room. It's important to understand that, you know, sometimes you ever wonder, why, who cares about the lamps? Why are they telling us about the lamps? Except for this, these are oil lamps, and because they're oil lamps, they give up smoke. And because they give up smoke, the air becomes stale, and the air becomes tough to breathe. I'm wondering sometimes even though we don't have oil lamps in our churches, if there are young people that feel like the air in our churches are stale, if maybe they're struggling to breathe in our churches. And it says this. It says that a young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window. He's where? 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 A church. He's a church. But he's sitting in the window. And he's trying to get some fresh air. And Paul keeps talking. And he wants to hear Paul. But Paul just keeps going and going and going. And he's doing everything he can. And it says, as Paul continued talking, Eutychus was falling into what? A deep sleep. Have you ever fallen asleep in church? (laughs) See, I see all of you from up here. Some of you guys are actually yawning right now because I'm even suggesting. Some of you guys have sat behind somebody and and you you saw this happening. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where that, that you, just, you just, all of a sudden, it's like, I can't help it, you know? Like, 
drowsiness does, declares blitzkrieg on your eyebrows, and the next thing you know, you're doing, it was happening in my Sabbath school class. We're all there in this small little group. There's a couple of guys sleeping and snoring in my class as I'm doing, and I'm trying to talk with, you know me, I don't talk monotone. I'm trying to talk with passion. I'm trying to talk, but these guys, they've probably been up late all night. And Eutychus is doing the best he can to stay up and, and, and listen, but he falls asleep, and then suddenly, thump. And Paul does a quick head count and says, wait a minute, there was a kid sitting on the windowsill. Let's read the story. It says that uh, uh, he fell into us, and finally he went sound asleep and fell to the ground from the third floor. This is why we build churches on the first floor now. And we close the windows. And it says that when they picked him up, he was what? Dead. Is it possible that young people today who desperately want to hear the word of God are being put to sleep by us? Is it possible that maybe they're falling asleep because they don't feel like they're part of it? Is it possible that they're falling asleep because in some churches, maybe they just see hypocrisy? And they're trying so hard. Is it possible that for some of these young people, they're, they're, they're half in and half out. They're, they want to listen, but they, they look outside and, and, and they see <clears throat> the distractions. You know, I often tell my leaders, <clears throat> our competition is not the other churches. Our competition is Netflix. Our competition is not the other, even the other administration. That, that's not competition. Our competition is the world and its distraction and all that's going on. And we need to do everything we can to say, hey, listen, we have got to rescue these guys because they're falling out of the windows and they're dying. And we're losing young people left and right. Now, we could either just say, well, that's not true, or we could just kind of, no, that's, trust me, it is true. It is happening. And, and it's not easy. We can work really hard, and still it becomes more and more difficult. In fact, the longer we wait, the more difficult it's going to be. Because we're going to be going up against an enemy that is so powerful, so distracting, so full of excitement and, and pleasures. And they look at the church and they say, this is boring, this is meaningless, this, they're not even trying to help me become a believer. Now again, our church does better than many churches in this. But does that mean we ought to just Stop. Is it possible that these empty pews could be filled with more and more young people? Is it, wouldn't it be wonderful if our young people that are in here right now today would say, hey, man, you got to come to the Richland Church because there you get involved. There they give you the keys. There you, they're part of a big community. There they really, really are, they want to do something and they want us to be part of it. There they're, they're, they, they, the music and, and the, the worship is real. There the preaching is real. There is where we ought to be. And let's go, let's go. It's just for a couple of hours, let's do it. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Some of you are sitting there thinking, you know what? 
Pastor, we're not about entertainment, and I'm not talking about entertainment. However, I think entertainment gets a bad rap. Because I think Jesus was very entertaining. Because at its root, entertaining means that, that he was able to magnetically pull them in. Jesus often told stories, didn't he? Why? Because stories was a way to catch people's attention. I think today he would do the same thing. He would do whatever it took to catch people's attention. Now, the Bible says, let me finish the story here. Paul went down to Eutychus, knelt down, and what? Put his arms around him. And he said, don't worry, he's alive now. I love this. You want to know why? Because this tells me there is hope. If we can somehow go down and meet those young people where they are, connect with them, maybe we can resurrect some of them, huh? Maybe we can get them back into the church. And in fact, he said, don't worry, he's alive now. Then Paul went upstairs again, broke bread and ate. And he was like, that was a good, cool thing to happen. So he spoke to them a long time until it was early morning. He's like, forget midnight, man. Let's just keep going. I just, I think Paul was a little, you know, but okay. Uh, and then he left. And they took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Why is this story in the Bible? Because I think God knew that one day we'd be wrestling with this issue. See, this was not an issue back then. Let me, let me share with you what I mean here. The, these are the top five reasons why uh, there are church dropouts, why they stop attending church. This is ages 23 to 30, okay? And if you're 23 or 30 and you're in here, tell me if this doesn't ring through true to some of you guys. Uh, I, I moved to college and stopped attending church. Church members seem judgmental or hypocritical. You know, can I just tell you something? One of the coolest things that I hear about young people in this church is say, you know, one of the things why I like going to this church is because they're not judgmental and hypocritical. And God forbid if we ever become that way. Not on my watch. Let me tell you that right now. We have to do everything we can to make sure that we never become that way. The third thing they say is, I didn't feel connected to people in my church. You know, there are people in this church, young people that have come to church here, that have sat in these pews, and I know who you are, and I don't want to look at you right now, but some of you have never even gone up to them and said, hey, who are you? What's your name? Let's talk. Let me have you over to the house. You know, we need community. We are people that desperately need community. And if they don't find it here, they're going to find it somewhere else. If you don't believe me, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, get on Snapchat. See where these people find community. That's our competition. But there should be no greater community than the Christian community. No greater place than the church, the local church, for young people to feel like they're part of it and they're part and they're loved. And they don't feel like they're in some kind of competition. The, four, the uh, fourth reason was I disagree with the church's stance on political, social issues. And the fifth one is my work responsibilities prevented me from attending. This one happens a lot. But look at the percentage. 
right? The biggest one was attending college. The second biggest one was what? Judgmental or hypocritical. Now, right now, our North America has got about 17% of its population are millennials and Gen Zs. Only 10% of that 17% go to church. If that doesn't define reality, I don't know what does. Now, part of it is not our fault. You know, I remember when I was, when I was growing up, uh, this, oops, let me go, oh, 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 I went too fast. I just ruined it for you. But anyway, check it out. This is the way I went. This is the way my life was, right? You go, you go to high school, you get out, you go to college, then you get a job, then you get married, you get kids, right? But today, what is it like? It's like, well, hold on now. Uh, you know, there's a gap here. You live together. There's an internship. Maybe you live at home. You travel aboard. Roommates, maybe you go to college then. You know, and you just, this is crazy stuff that's going on. Oh, it's, not, it's not our fault, but that's part of life. And we, don't, we could just say that's not right. That's not fair. We could do that. We can argue that all we want, but it doesn't matter. It's reality. And so the key is, how do we deal with this reality? And can God make us creative enough so that we can say, we can still work with this reality and win people to Jesus Christ. They don't have to fit in the box that we grew up in. In fact, we don't want them to. So here's what happened. Some years ago, actually it was about a year and a half ago, uh, I came across a book, one of these Catalyst conferences that I go to, and uh, the book caught my eye. And I decided to bring it back and then I decided to get one for every one of our leaders in this church. Uh, and then we, we spent a year and a half, we've been talking about every chapter. We've been going over everything. And let me tell you what the book is. The book is called Growing Young. And here's the premise of the book. All churches grow old, just like us, as humans. But strategic churches are growing young. Growing Young profiles 250 innovative churches Catch this word, intentionally engaging 15 to 29-year-olds that are growing spiritually, emotionally, missionally, and numerically. The book is packed with ideas. Growing Young shows ministry leaders how to position their churches to reach younger generations in a way that breeds life into the whole church. And as, you, as we read the book, one of the things that we noticed was this, this wonderful concept of, of young and old working together. This, I, it, it didn't say, look, you know, we just got to just get away, do, do away with everything we do and start everything for young and youth and that's it. No. It said, you know, if ever there was a time, this is it right here, there's this time, if ever, these, this generation of young people, Gen Zs and Millennials, they love to hang out with us old folks. <laughs> How cool is that? They love to be mentored by us. They long for it. My, some of my best friends are half my age. I'm telling you, it is amazing. And all of us can engage in that. I know, I know, especially teenagers. It's scary. I get it. I'm with you, man. 
But I think we can, we can ask God to give us some courage. To ask God to give us some creativity. To ask God to say, okay, what else can we add? What else can we do as a church? And so for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about growing young. For the next six weeks, and I won't be the only one. We actually have, uh, I'll be here next week. Uh, the next week after that, we have Todd Kaplan coming. He's the executive uh, director of Forge, uh, a ministry that's specifically designed to connect young people to uh, older folks through a mentorship program. Uh, I know Len knows about it, and uh, in fact, he came and spoke to our board. He's going to come here. I, I think he preached here once before I got here a long time ago. He was, he was part of uh, uh, Youth Ignite, I think it was, right? And, and so he's going to come and speak. He's, he's, a, he's a gifted speaker. I've heard him speak before. And he's going to come and share with us one of those. And then we're going to actually finish the whole thing uh, with kind of a church weekend in November. November, I think, 15 and 16. And we have Ben Lundquist, who is the youth director of the Oregon Conference, who got me even more involved in this uh, as I just finished coaching four churches in this conference uh, through this process. And uh, he's going to come and share with us that weekend, and it's going to be fantastic. So we're going to be spending the next six weeks here just really digging deep, deep into this. Now let me just tell you what it isn't before we go any further, okay? Growing Young is not another program. I don't need another program, and, and I think if you know me, you know that I'm not a program guy. I'm, not, I'm just not, I'm not into that. I'm so tired of programs and, and, and formulas and all this, you know, the, none of that after a while, that all just goes away, right? So uh, one of the reasons why I, got, I like this is because it, it was not another program. It is not a quick fix. This is not going to make us young overnight. For some of us, we may not realize the youth until we see them in heaven. You okay with that? And it is not something new. There are many churches that are already doing this. As I said, I just finished coaching four other churches. And I wasn't the only coach. And this is just in the upper Columbia Conference. It's happening all over this union. I just went down to Nashville and spoke to uh, about 80 pastors about this very subject. And can I tell you what was so cool about doing it this way? Is that I was boasting on you guys. Let me just tell you what we're doing for this. And let me tell you what we're doing for this. Let me tell you what we're doing for this. Growing Young is, and this is important, a commitment to challenge each and every one of us to assess and recalibrate our current culture and norms. It is an intentional effort to involve the next generation in what? All, say it with me, all elements of church life. So as we move forward in the next few years, you're going to see young people preaching. Maybe even children preaching. You're going to see them as you already are, part of the worship experience. We may even, I may even be begging uh, Lent to, to, to have some, some, some teenagers on the board. Do you know that a four-year-old has 400% the creativity of a 40-year-old? Man, are we missing out or what? Right? So real quickly, I'm going to just share with you. Uh, 
the book has six core elements. We're going to talk about each. I'm going to talk about two of these next week. And then, uh, again, um, uh, Todd will talk about some of them and, and, and so forth. But here they are, unlocking keychain leadership. This is about actually truly giving the keys to young people so that they can lead and they can do what they have to do. Uh, the next one is empathize with today's young people. And empathize meaning is that we're, that we're willing to walk in their shoes. And, see, you know, the world is different than it was when I grew up. Do you know that? This is a whole different world. And we've got to be able to be willing to walk in their shoes. The next one is take Jesus' message seriously. One of the things that I love about my class is that they're at their best when we go deep. And we're afraid to go deep with them, but we, they love going deep. They love going deep. The next one is fuel a warm community. And we do some great community stuff. How cool would it be if we involved more and more of young people in these things that we do and maybe do some more stuff, stuff that they would like to do? Prioritize young people and families everywhere. And I, love, I love this. You know, we need to be really intentional about making sure that young families, young people know that we prioritize them. And be the best neighbors. I mean, do we know our neighbors? Do they know us? My back has been hurting me lately. Getting old. So I went to a chiropractor. I went to a chiropractor before I went on a trip, and I went again yesterday because the trip killed me almost. <laughs> and we're talking, and finally the receptionist, she said, so where's your church? I said, we're on Mick Murray. I'm the pastor of the Richland Seventh Avenue Church. She goes, oh, I live just down the block from there. We need to go out and meet these folks, amen? amen. They need to know that we, we love them and that we love young people here, amen? All right, let me finish up with two Bible texts. This is my hope. Dr. Luke echoes a prophecy in the book of Joel. This would be such an awesome translation of everything that we're talking about here. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on who? Everyone. I catch this. <laughs> Sometimes I think some leaders need to read this. Your sons and what? Daughters will speak what God has revealed. I am so thankful that I belong to a church that prizes the spiritual gifts of women as well as men. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Do you see the, the combination? In those days I will pour out my spirit on my servants, on both men and women, and they will speak what God has revealed. How awesome is that? I long for this day. I long for this day when people will say, yes, the Richland Church is doing this. And the young and old working together. And it's like the church is just alive with the Spirit of God because they are working together. See, I think, I think that's what the Spirit is waiting for. Don't you? 
And then finally, I'll end with this text. I came across this text by mistake about a year ago. And some of you may actually be wondering why I'm so passionate about this topic. And, and quite frankly, I'm not 100% sure. I'm just passionate about the church. And I'm passionate about the calling that God has given me. And the reason why I came to this church, this specific church, all the way from the East Coast, I've never been to the West Coast. People ask me all the time, why, what are you doing in the West Coast? Well, let me tell you why I came. I came because I was convinced, and I'm still very convinced, that this church loves its young people. This church will do anything to help the church grow young. And so all we're going to do for the next six weeks is get intentional about it. So here's the text. And may this be our prayer. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, did you catch that? See, I want to serve my purpose in my generation. Don't you want to serve your purpose in your generation? There's not a person in this room that doesn't have a purpose. When, God, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. And it was then that he was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Are you catching this little line here? See, you're not going to get to die until you served your purpose in this generation. You know? I love that. And so I'm going to keep doing this so I can live forever. <laughs> Amen? All right. Well, put on your seatbelts because we're going for a ride. Do you think our young people need to know that we love them? Father in heaven, thank you for a church that is committed to valuing and loving young and old equally, Lord. Thank you for a church that is committed to, to being balanced, to being part of a of a growing young movement. I pray, Father, that as we work together, that those who are younger will gain the wisdom and patience of those who are more seasoned. That those who are more seasoned and they're older would gain the energy. and the joy of young people. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.